national data shows that one in three youth are going to grow up without a caring adult in their lives outside of their immediate family that they can turn to for support. Um, and that's really where the mentoring programs in the state come in to try to meet that need. Welcome to the Vermont Conversation. I'm David Goodman. As the COVID pandemic enters its third year, it has fallen especially hard on young people. In December 2021, the U.S. Surgeon General warned of, quote, devastating mental health effects, noting that there were significant increases in self-reports of depression and anxiety among young people. Mentorship programs have long offered a way for young people to deal with their challenges with the help of adults. Young people with mentors are half as likely to skip school and 55% more likely to attend college. Today on the Vermont Conversation, we speak with leaders of Vermont's mentoring programs. Chad Butt is the executive director of Mentor Vermont. Kimberly Diamond is the head of Big Brothers Big Sisters of Vermont. Beth Wallace heads Everybody Wins Vermont, and Kim Smith is the director of Girls Boys First Mentoring. Later in the program, we'll speak with a mentor-mentee pair about what the experience is like. I began by asking Kim Smith to explain what a mentor is. Basically, a mentor is an older or more experienced person who spends time with a younger, less experienced person. Someone to see them for who they are, to listen to their ideas and their dreams to support them and just simply, in the end, just believe in them. Um, Our program, Girls Boys First Mentoring here in Central Vermont, we create a safe way for children to spend time with mentors and support the mentoring relationship so it has the best chance of success. And we really believe that everyone can benefit from having a mentor. Most of us have had one one or two in our lives, um, whether a neighbor or a coach, sometimes a colleague at work, And uh, so many of us have life experience or wisdom to offer young people, sometimes even just our connections to other people or even workplaces in our communities can make a big difference in a kid's life. So so basically, it really comes down to a mentor is someone who's a healthy role model, offers friendship and support and encourages um, like good decision making and also helps kids explore new things and find and take advantage of opportunities. Hmm. Kim, how does a a child find a mentor in your program? That's another great question. Um, we collaborate or work with local schools and school staff who may nominate a child who they think would be a great fit for our program, would benefit from having some one-on-one attention from a caring adult. Um, sometimes parents will reach out to our program and sometimes kids will even elect themselves. They'll, they'll um, find a way to express, whether to a teacher or through their parent, that, that they would be interested in having another adult person in their lives. Um, let me turn to Chad Butt. Um, Chad is the executive director of Mentor Vermont, which is a, um, a statewide group advocating youth mentoring. Um, Chad, give us the big picture of mentoring in Vermont. How common is it, um, and what is the need, and and also the how are we meeting that need? Thank you for having me on. Um, so there there are about thirty different mentoring agencies in the state uh, that have 
what you consider a formal mentoring program, be it through an individual nonprofit, a larger youth serving organization, or a, a school system or school district. Um, so beyond that, there, there's a lot of mentoring just happening naturally throughout our communities in Vermont. I think Vermont is very strong at, at communities coming together and supporting one another, but national data shows that one in three youth are gonna grow up without a caring adult in their lives outside of their immediate family that they can turn to for support. Um, and that's really where the mentoring programs in the state come in to try to meet that need. Um, there's there's a great need out there. We're definitely, um, it's expanded since the pandemic. Uh, so there's even a greater need now than there was uh, because mentoring programs have really had, had a tough time trying to recruit new mentors during this time, understandably, as people are trying to stay safe and also trying to figure out what, they, what they're comfortable with. And, and everybody's a little taxed and sort of maxed out right now. So at the moment, is Vermont able to meet the demand for mentors or are we, do we have more children wanting mentors than we have mentors? We, we definitely are not meeting the demand. And I, I think that uh, I, would, I would love to say that we're going to put ourselves out of business in the near future uh, with meeting the demand. But I, I really think that there's a lot of work for us all to do collectively throughout Vermont. Um, and there's, there's more youth that would like to have mentors than are able to have them currently uh, throughout the state. And I think it's going to, there, there's, there's way more need than that there we, we can meet in the near future. Who supports mentoring, Chad? Is there state money involved? Is it more philanthropic funding? So it depends on, on the program. Uh, I think programs try to diversify their funding resources to ensure that they're sustainable. Uh, Mentor Vermont is able to grant funding out to, to youth mentoring programs throughout the state. Um, and that money comes both through the state of Vermont, currently through the Department for Children and Families, um, at $170,000 a year. And we're able to match that with private money from the A.D. Henderson Foundation. Uh, this past couple of years during the pandemic, we were able to find funding through the, the Vermont Community Foundation COVID uh, Response Fund. Um, and they were able to get some money to us that we were able to get out to mentoring programs around the state. Uh, but really programs are, are funded both through that funding, but through, through individual donors and really looking for local businesses and local community members to come through and provide that more sustainable funding that isn't necessarily grants-based. Because anytime a mentoring program is out there trying to find funding through grants, there's less time they can have to actually support the mentors and mentees that they have in their program. Uh, mentoring programs in general are mostly understaffed. Um, and so the more time we can have program managers be able to actually do the work of supporting mentors and mentees, uh, the better those programs are going to run. Uh, let me turn to Kimberly Diamond. Uh, she is executive director of Big Brothers Big Sisters of Vermont, which provides one-to-one -one mentoring for youth uh, 6 to 18 throughout the state. Kimberly, um, what are you seeing in terms of the demand for Big Brothers and Big Sisters, um, and particularly during COVID, how that has changed the landscape of your work? Yeah, it has definitely uh, changed the landscape of work. And thank you so much for having us here today. It's a really important conversation. Um, so at Big Brothers, Big Sisters, we, we saw a dip in um, people referring children to, to mentoring programs, to our mentoring program during the beginning of the pandemic. That has changed. So now we are seeing an increase in youth being referred to our program, but typically, and I think a lot of our programs uh, rely heavily on schools for those referrals. And that has changed over the course of the past couple of years. We get more of our referrals now from social service agencies and from um, individuals, parents and guardians. 
um, that are seeking a mentor for their child rather than the school systems because they've been pretty taxed over the past couple of years. Um, but we're looking at ratios of for every mentor that we have that walks through our door, there's three kids who are coming through the door looking for a mentor. Um, and particularly, we have a much larger volume of male littles, um, that's what we call our mentees, than we do male volunteer bakes. And uh, we have about 115 kids on our waiting list and about 45 volunteers who are somewhere in the process. And not all of them will make it through the process because there's an application and vetting process that we go through. And we have to make sure that the volunteers are like right for the program and that it's the right time of um, their lives to be volunteering. So for everybody that you get in as a mentor, you know, probably one out of three are going to actually become a mentor. So we have to do a lot of reach out um, is, to find mentors that we need for the kids. Is that a change that uh, only one out of three get mentors or is this a, a, a more dire picture than you've had in the past? It's a more dire picture than we've had in the past in that there's some hesitancy with um, with members of the public to invite new people into their lives due to COVID or feeling concerned about exposure to illness or not really being sure how mentoring a child in the community is safe for them. So we've certainly had people who have gone through our process and then they've stalled their process to say they wanna to wait to be connected with a child until the spring or when you can do more outdoor activities, things like that. But we and all other mentoring programs have been able to pivot our services so that that direct one-to-one -one model still takes place. And we do that the best we can um, in this kind of pandemic situation. But we also have the option for people to meet virtually when one or the other is ill or someone is not feeling comfortable with the one-on-one -on -one interactions. And we encourage multiple ways of communicating now so that, because the kids still need this connection, whether it's a one-to-one -one in person or not, um, being able to connect with them in other ways right now is, is essentially important as well. I wonder if you could, and, and you've mentioned the the shortage on the um, on the mentor side. What is happening during COVID in terms of are are more children requesting mentors at this moment? I'm seeing that yes. Now I think there was a dip in 2020 where people just kind of stopped communicating with others for a little bit, and we had a stall in our referrals. But we get daily referrals at this point, and we're getting referrals. Um, in large part because kids are feeling bullied at their schools and they don't have peer group of friends um, because they are feeling overwhelmed with other stresses that are going on in their lives. There's a lot of, um, a lot of our families and even volunteers, there's been a lot of changes for everyone, lots of moves and job changes and in and out of school being open and closed. So there's just the stress levels of our youth has gotten higher. The mental health challenges of our youth have gotten higher and we're seeing that. Um, and parents are reaching out more independently because they see their kids struggling and they know that they need some extra support and they're not quite sure where to turn. Hmm. Um, I wanna to turn to Beth Wallace, who is the executive director of Everybody Wins Vermont, which is a school-based reading mentoring program. So Beth, your program is a little bit different. It takes place in school. Um, tell us a little bit about how it works. Uh, sure, thanks, I'm happy to do that. Um, 
So our program is, is um, a school-based program. It happens at school. We match children with community mentors, community citizens, just like everybody else. But instead of the, um, the adult seeing the child, the volunteer seeing the child in the community and doing activities with them in the community, they see them at school. And, um, and our program's a reading program. So they come into school and spend an hour with the child over lunch, we call it power lunch, um, where they read the child a story, they talk to them about their week, they might play a game. Um, it's really about getting children to love language and story and reading in the context of having a friend, an adult friend, who enjoys those things and loves those things that they can share them with. So it's about the pleasure of, of, um, of language and story as opposed to teaching kids to read. And we often say that, you know, schools teach kid to, kids to read. That's not what we do. We teach kids to love to read. We help them love to read. Does that also kind of spill over inevitably into just whatever other challenges that child might be feeling? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder if the issue of jealousies come up. I mean, you've got an adult doting on one young person uh, in the classroom or at the cafeteria, and other kids are seeing that and saying, I wish I had that. Boy, that's a really interesting question, actually. So our program doesn't take place, our program typically takes place um, in rooms where there aren't other children. So there might be two or three reading pairs, but there aren't other kids who don't have mentors at the same time. So not directly in that way, but in every school, almost every school, we have long lists of kids who want mentors that we haven't been able to supply them for. Um, we have two schools in the state where we can provide a mentor for every child who wants one. And one of them is one of our oldest schools, White River School in Hartford, Vermont. Um, and typically in a non-pandemic year, we have um, over 100 mentors in that school um, every week. And um, about 85 to 90% of the kids in any given year in grades one through five have a mentor. Um, so 85 to 90% of, of kids uh, in, in grades one to five have a reading mentor in any given year. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And so some of the kids who don't have mentors, it might be kids who are um, in first grade who are just developmentally aren't ready to sit one more time during the day. Or it might be fifth graders who have choir or band, they have other, they're starting to have more grown up commitments and they can't, you know, that conflicts with their mentoring. But um, our commitment in that school is that every child who wants a mentor gets to have a mentor. And Tunbridge is the other school that that's true of mm -hmm. in grades two through four. Um, we typically have about 30, 35 mentors in Tunbridge and every kid who wants a mentor gets to have a mentor. Hmm. And that's really our goal for every school, but we can do it for two out of 20 schools in the state that we serve. So that, that tells you something about the need, I think. Um, in a good year, we have over 600 mentors and in a non-pandemic year, we have over 600 mentors and mentor pairs statewide. And we could, we could double that number without batting an eye and and have kids that want that want mentors you said that in a non-pandemic time you have 600 
what do you have right now for mentors? Um, you know, Chad was just asking me that question the other day. How many mentor pairs do you have this year, Beth? Um, I, I'm, I'm going to take a guess and say last year, I know we had 150 total by the end of the year. This year, I think we have more than that. I think we're, we're probably somewhere in the 175 um, area. Some of our schools have not been able to open our program. Like we haven't been able to open our program in five schools this year. And last year it was in seven schools. Mm. So, you know, this year we added back a few schools and um, we're still, we still have a couple of schools that we're going to open this month. So it's been a slow process um, figuring right. out. We have remote programming now. So um, figuring out which schools we can actually have mentors come in person to, um, which schools we need to have a remote program where our coordinators in the school with the children, but the mentors are all remote. Um, some schools like White River is a good example. We have both of those things happening right now. Let me ask um, Chad Butt uh, of a Mentor Vermont. We are hearing a lot about the youth mental health crisis during COVID. From your own experience, what difference does a mentor make to a youth in crisis? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's someone who's checking in with them on a, on a regular basis and someone they can count on. And we, we, we did some surveying of, of youth during the last school year here at the end of the school year, specifically about how COVID's impacted them and, and their relationship with the mentor. Um, and overwhelmingly, youth were saying that 95% of the youth said that their mentor is someone they could depend on. Uh, you had 86% of the youth saying that you, their mentor is someone that they can express their feelings and concerns about COVID with. Um, and the really important thing there is that that 96% of the youth said that their mentor makes them feel like they matter. Um, and I think that if you can find a way to have an adult in a child's life outside of their immediate family that they can turn to for support, but also makes them feel heard and seen, um, that is a huge impact on mental health. It's not going to solve all the problems, um, but mentoring programs as well are, are a hub of resources. Uh, at their core, they're someone, they're a program that interacts with youth um, on a weekly basis, goes to their door for a lot of programs. And so during COVID, we, we saw programs shift to, to being a hub of resources more than ever to say, do you need help with food? Do you need help with with internet connection, what can we do to help you here? And then we're able to connect, those mentoring programs are able to connect them to those resources. Kimberly Diamond, uh, Big Brothers and Big Sisters of Vermont. Uh, I wanna sort of direct a similar question. You're you know, a frontline service provider uh, with providing mentors to mentees. What do you see or do any anecdotes come to your mind uh, in answer to that question of what difference does a mentor make in the life of a young person? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I would echo everything that Chad said. And what's really, what's really special and unique about the mentoring relationship is that it is an, it's an adult person in a child's life that is not paid to be there. They're not responsible for that child. They're there simply because they want to be there. So that kind of levels the playing field from the start. And they're there to hold a safe space for that child to learn and grow. So it's about learning new things, giving them experiences. If it's a community-based program, giving them their them experiences beyond their school, beyond their community. If it's within the school, it's helping provide you know a nice break in the day if they are having challenges at school. 
um, and and just something to look forward to. We have our littles tell us that, you know, they look forward to Tuesday because that's the day that they see their big at lunch. Or um, we have actually one of my favorite, favorite uh, anecdotes and stories is that um, we have a former board member who was a little in our program decades ago. And she remembers just, she had a very chaotic lifestyle. Her family just argued a lot and there was a lot of chaos in the home. And she would go to her big's house for Sunday dinner and be with their family. And she said it was the first time she saw other families behaving differently than her own. And she realized that she wanted that for herself. So it gave her this sort of look at something else that was really, you know, became very important to her. And she grew up to raise her own family in a very different way because of it. And I think that means, you know, you don't have to mentor a child in isolation. You can include your family, your loved ones, your activities and, and um, interests, because all of that can, can be a huge value and benefit to the child, you know, and, and kids really, you know, if you, if you are an adult, that's, that's there to hear them and to and to make space for them uh, without an agenda. There's a lot that you can both learn from each other. Hmm. Um, I'm reading on uh, one of the mentoring websites that mentoring is one of the f uh, few prevention and intervention strategies that address multiple risk and protective factors simultaneously. Um, what is that a fancy way of saying? <laughs> Translate that into into simple terms. Yeah, so I, mean, I think mentoring is beneficial if you're talking about a child who has low self-esteem, if you're talking about a child who has challenges at school, or if they're rather introverted and they're not making friends, or if they're highly intelligent and are just bored with what's going on, you know, there's not enough for them to do in their lives. You putting a mentor into someone's world, it's their, it becomes their person. And every time you have someone who that you know that you can you can count on, you can depend on, you can vent to, insert whatever situation it is, it helps to lighten that load. You know, and you can and mentors can do a number of things from helping someone to like have that love of reading all the way to showing them that even they can go to college or go to a trade school or find a job that works well for them or be able to have um, healthier relationships with their peers and their family, um, be able to, you know, make, make healthy and smart decisions for themselves. So, you know, that's how you can kind of insert into any sort of situation. You can mentor in any situation, you can mentor in the community, you can mentor in the school, you can mentor at your work. There's so many opportunities and it's really about just spending quality time with a young person when you boil it down, you know, and it makes a really big difference and you don't have to do heroic things to make that big difference and that big change. Let me give uh, the last word to Chad here. Um, I think it was Kimberly, or I'm not sure who, who mentioned it, but the real lack and, and need for men to be mentors and positive role model. Chad, what would you, why do you feel there's been a, a lack of men? And what would you say to any men who might be listening to this about what role they can play? Yeah. Historically, we've really seen just the, the difficulty of someone seeing themselves, especially men, in the role of a mentor. What are they actually going to do? What am I going to do when I'm with this child on a weekly basis? Um, and so the take-home message is that there's mentoring coordinators there. It's not that you're thrown into a situation and said, here, go do this. You have this child now. There's a lot of training and there's a lot of ongoing support that comes with mentoring. 
to ensure that you're going to be matched with a youth that you have connections with, that naturally you have something in common with, some common interest, some passion that you share. And then beyond that, there'll be that support on a weekly basis as much as needed to ensure that that relationship is going to grow and thrive. And you're going to get something out of it too. I think that's something we haven't touched on yet is that, especially during the pandemic, we've seen that mentors have been really valuing the relationship they have with the youth because we've all been shut in our houses and having someone outside of your house with youthful energy to bond with and connect with on a weekly basis has, has had a great impact on, on all of us that are mentors. Um, and I, I think that coming out of the pandemic here, we're going to see communities in Vermont see mentoring as a way to come together to support one another, not just the youth, but multi-generational. Um, and that's our hope that we see coming forward here. We're going to continue our conversation about mentoring now and turn now to Pam Quinn. She is director of Twinfield Together, a school-based mentoring program at the Twinfield School in Marshfield, Vermont. Uh, Pam Quinn, welcome to the Vermont Conversation. Well, thank you, David. Tell us about Twinfield Together and what a school-based mentoring program is like. We've heard from one-on-one uh, -on -one mentors but give us a, a broader picture of the landscape of mentoring. Mm -hmm. So we, we do have a community-based mentoring program, but it sounds like someone else already described that. So I can focus, although Twinfield Together has a community program, I'll focus on um, what our school-based program looks like. And we have two opportunities for mentoring at, at the school. We have adults that come into the school um, once a week. Uh, and they are matched with one youth. It's, it's still a one-on-one -on -one friendship-based program. And so typically before the pandemic, they would come in and have lunch or breakfast together and read books and play games. But with the pandemic, you, they, can't they can't eat together because they can't take their masks off. And so now mentors and mentees come in and they will still connect around books or crafts or games, but it's not during a meal. So it's, it's um, the structure's a little different. Um, but the connections, the connection is the same. It's it's about having a relationship with an adult that's not a parent, or a teacher, or a guidance counselor. Um, it's a different role that the mentor takes on with the youth. Uh, so we have that we have adults that come into the school, and then we also have high school students that are matched one on one with the same model. It's a relationship based model. So you're matched matched on interests, um, personality, uh, who might naturally be be attracted to. To wanting to spend time together and so we match a high school student with a with a younger student typically in kindergarten through fifth or sixth grade um, and they stay together for as long as the mentor is available and they also meet once a week and do things that they both enjoy what's different about a high school student mentoring as opposed to an adult well i think Originally, I started the high school mentoring program because we had so many kids that wanted a mentor and there's only so many adults that are available. And here I was at a K-12, pre-K-12 school with high school students that are looking for community service hours. They're looking to be leaders. They're looking to have a friendship. They're also looking to have fun um, and have something to look forward to. And so we piloted a high school mentoring program where high school kids, we followed the same model where you would match one-on-one, -on -one, we do training. Um, but what what's great is the kids are here already um, in the building. And so it was, logistically, it's, it's a little bit easier um, because everybody's already here. Um, and also we realized the high school students, it's almost like we're getting 
double the benefit because the high school students are getting, you know, the leadership skills, the responsibility to be a role model. Um, and then the younger kids really look up to the, to the, to the older kids. And so it's just, a, it's a different, it's just opened a different door of building relationships and community, which is what we do with the adult to youth mentoring. Well, let me turn now to a mentor-mentee pair. Carolyn Grodinski is a mentor and Ambrose is the a mentee. Uh, Ambrose, uh, I want to start with you um, and welcome you to the Vermont Conversation. But Ambrose, maybe just tell us what led you to want to have a mentor. Yeah, so I was in fifth grade at the time, so that was about five years ago coming yeah. on six pretty soon. How, how old are you now Ambrose I'm 15 okay so there was like a lot of change in my life at that time and my mom found this program and asked if I was interested and pretty soon after that we met Carolyn and it I think we clicked like right away and we started meeting and doing a bunch of fun activities. What were what have been some of the things that have been going on in your life that you've turned to Carolyn for help with? Well, I think during the pandemic, it, there was this huge disconnect from people and it's been nice to have a steady person to always check in with and We've done all this baking during the pandemic, and it's something to keep me rooted in my community. Are there things that you feel more comfortable talking to your mentor about than you would to anybody else? I wouldn't exactly say that, but it's interesting hearing from Carolyn because she has so many more experiences than other people in my life. Like she's traveled places and it's really cool to hear about that. And it's inspiring to me and gives me ideas for what I want to do in the future. How do you balance, you know, you have parents who are in some sense, you know, uh, mentor figures in your life and you have somebody outside of your home uh, carolyn how do you balance those those different voices um that's a good question <laughs> do they ever I... sort of give you sort of conflicting messages about you know advice for how you should deal with some of the challenges you confront I think that doesn't really happen. Um, Carolyn's more not so much of an authority figure, so it's I like to have our time together be more lighthearted and just kind of a break from my everyday life. Are you um, comfortable talking about some of the things that you find challenging in your everyday life? Yeah, well, 
I have divorced parents, which that, of course, comes with many difficulties. And, um, like, when we first started, that was a new thing in my life. And I was going back and forth between houses and that can be really hard and it's a lot of change, especially for like a little kid. And having Carolyn was a place that was always steady and reliable. Have you, do you go back and forth between your parents' house and have you moved a bunch? Um, I haven't moved too much, but yeah, it used to be um, like a couple times a week moving back and forth, which was also hard with school and transportation from that. Is there, I'm trying to give people who are not familiar with mentors and mentees a picture of... Um, how they interact. Um, can you think of one example that you can describe where you found Carolyn's advice or presence in your life to be helpful, where it made a difference? Um, I don't know if I can think of a specific example, uh, maybe Carolyn has any ideas? Okay. Well, let's turn to Carolyn Gradinsky. Uh, Carolyn, welcome to the Vermont Conversation. Glad to be here. When did you become a mentor and what made you decide to do it? Well, the person that started the program, Wendy Freundlich, um, I knew her very well and she matched me right off the bat. I don't have children and my um, nieces and nephews live in other states. So it's been a great experience for me to spend time with younger people and, um, and really foster, I mean, for me, and I'm thinking along the lines of what Ambrose said, for me, uh, being a mentor has really given extra time to my mentees to foster what they love to do. So what something that's evolved with us is cooking and from cooking all sorts of really decadent, amazing desserts. And now we get together over Zoom because of the pandemic, but cooking dinners for our families. And uh, this next week is my partner's birthday and we're making a chocolate cake. Each of us make a cake at our own place. And Ambrose picks the recipes and they're always something out of my usual repertoire and fantastic. So that's <laughs> been fun. Well, I bet uh, Ambrose's family uh, looks forward to cooking night with Carolyn uh, since they are the beneficiaries of those evenings. Um, Carolyn, let me ask you the question that Ambrose uh, was handing over to you, which was, can you think of something where your advice or guidance or presence in Ambrose's life uh, just helped her through a difficult spot? 
Well, I I think what I I feel with our part with our partnering and getting together has been spending time and getting really deep into things that Ambrose loves. I know in the summertime we've gone swimming and catching frogs and just having some in-depth time to chill and also just to be able to, you know, to foster uh, Ambrose interests. So that, that is a kind of hard question. I, and Ambrose answered that very well. Like it's, I, I, it's hard to put words into it, but spending time together and fostering interests that Ambrose has and seeing that blossom from, you know, just some of the earlier cooking projects to all out meals. And I wanted to mention now Ambrose makes dinner for her family every Wednesday. We're getting together every other week. So she's doing a lot more cooking on her own. Hmm. So I guess I'm not really, I, I think it's just the time is uh, really special to both of us to, to do things that we might normally not do on our own and spend more time just slow down and really embrace that activity. What do you get out of it, Carolyn? Well, for me, it's kind of helped me to slow down and, you know, see, see things differently, do things that I might not normally do. And another thing, it, this has been hard with the pandemic, but this has been part of the mentoring experience, is they do activities where mentor pairs get together Ambrose and I did this stow bike path once with a bunch of mentors over Christmas. There was a Yankee swap. So you get to know other uh, mentor pairs, and sometimes you can do activities just with several of them. Hmm. So it's, it's beyond just the one-on-one, -on -one, but the whole mentoring program. I, I know in the past there's been skiing and snowshoeing and all sorts of ice skating. Hmm. Ambrose, you know, one of the things we hear a lot about is that during COVID, it's placed a lot of mental health stresses on people your age, on teenagers. What do you see around you with your friends um, as they deal with the pandemic? Um, well, there's the disconnect that just causes like it was like this big depression that I see in like even acquaintances in school and yeah everyone's struggled with being so isolated and how does that show the struggle with being isolated? Um, there is, I remember recently in class, someone mentioning the pandemic and the depression that that caused for them. And I think we don't really talk about our experiences with this so much and it was almost like a little surprising to hear from people that I don't know very well that they have experienced the same thing that I have throughout this 
whole ordeal. Yeah. What does it do to you, the isolation, the being, you know, at times not able to interact with friends? It's really tiring. And there's just a lack of energy. And it's especially last year, we had like this model in school where we were remote every other week and then in person in between that and adjusting to that was shocking like every week you'd have to go back into school be around people all the time and then just miss that for a whole entire week hmm. um do you mind uh, saying what school you attend I go to U32 High School. And what grade are you in? I'm a sophomore. Do you, was it stressful for you to return to school in the fall with all the concerns about were people going to get sick if they were back together? I mean, was, how did that feel to you? It was definitely nerve-wracking going into school and seeing everyone like people that I haven't seen in like over a year because even last year when we were in school a little bit I couldn't see everyone and it was just so weird to see these people that I haven't seen since middle school. <laughs> Do you feel like people changed in that time <laughs> yeah there's some people that i didn't even recognize at first <laughs> <laughs> so ambrose what brings you joy i love spending time with my friends and my animals and having connections with people and being able to let go and just be myself around people. Do you feel like at this point in the year, it's February, you're back in school, I gather every day except for the days when COVID, uh, I guess you had some school closures there for short periods, right? Um, I think we've like pretty much been fully in person this year. Uh -huh. we, so U32 had, like, has managed to stay open all the time. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, do you feel like some, what do you feel as you look down the road, uh, the path ahead? Do you still feel anxious about, is school going to close, going to be open or any of that? Are you, are you starting to feel a little more normal? It feels pretty normal. I mean, with the Omicron, that was definitely a time where it 
cases were rising and it felt like it was all coming back. And there is definitely that uncertainty still underlying, but I can't, it, it, it's best not to really worry about that because it's just going to be a slippery slope and just trying to focus on the present. What do you hope for your future, Ambrose? Like, what I do you... I would like to go to college after probably art school. I'm leaning towards right now. And another thing with this, COVID seems to have taken away like two years of my schooling and it's crazy to think that there's only like two and a half more years before I'm going off to college and like where did all the time go? Yeah. I want to circle back to Pam Quinn. Um, Pam, as you listen to this conversation between a mentor and a mentee, what do you hear going on there? Well, it's it's funny, Ambrose, as you were, I was I was really enjoying the conversation and and David was asking some hard questions, I thought. And as he was talking, I wrote this little note to myself and it says, mentoring brings connection and joy. And then you said that like five minutes, like a couple of minutes after I, you know, when David asked you what brings you joy. And I think if I could say what mentoring is doing for people right now is that it is not about like having diff like, Oh, my mentor, I'm going to have these hard conversations with my mentor. It's going to be something difficult. It's like, like you said, Ambrose, like how can I be connected and feel joy and just chill and relax? And that's what brings you joy. And I think that that's what I see with my mentoring pairs too. I had a mentor tell me today that, you know, her mentee, seeing her mentee is the highlight of her week. Um, I think everybody's feeling disconnected. Um, and I think connection is really, really important to humans. And I think that mentoring is a really great way to increase connection with others. And, and it takes time to build a mentoring relationship, but it's very meaningful because Ambrose touched on this earlier too. Carolyn is not an authority figure for her. Um, you know, Carolyn is a different role adult in her life that she can do different things with and experience different things and of course i don't know the two of you at all but uh that's what i was thinking about when i was listening to your conversation about the length of your relationship and the friendship that you've established based on similar interests and that connection and joy well let me uh, turn to ambrose to sort of close it out um ambrose how would your life be different if carolyn were not a part of it I think it, I wouldn't, I feel more prepared like for the future by talking with Carolyn about her experiences and also all of this cooking is preparing me for my future in the college and I'm building life skills by being around Carolyn. And I think 
my life would definitely be lacking without her. And finally, uh, Ambrose, um, for other young people who might listen to this or be wondering themselves about having a mentor and, you know, would it be weird? Would it be like having another parent? What is your advice to others your age um, who may be facing some challenges and what this might offer for them? It's definitely worth it and it it's super easy it's just spending time with another person who's there and open to hearing your experiences and it's great if you're open to hearing their experiences as well because it adds to your life all right well i want to thank all of you, Carolyn Gordinsky, Pam Quinn from Twinfield Together, and Ambrose, a student at U32. Uh, thanks to all of you for joining us on the Vermont Conversation to share your mentoring stories. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That does it for this week's Vermont Conversation. You can hear this and all programs at vtdigger.org slash vermontconversation. I'm David Goodman. Thanks so much for listening.